0: It's just right for us.
1: The Rockpile Report, AFC East Roundup, hosted by Bill's season ticket holder, Drew Gear, a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network.
0: When you see Patriot Way... In uh, def- in the dictionary, it's going to have Tom Brady's name next to it. Uh, n- none of those coaches threw Ooh. any passes. None of those coaches caught any passes. None of those coaches made any tackles. They got guys in the right position because they watch a lot of film and they spend all their time at the facility. But pay- uh, but Tom Brady is the Patriot way.
1: Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the AFC East Roundup podcast. I'm your host, Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Krueger. And that was... Patriots wide receiver Danny Amendola from First Things First on Fox Sports 1 talking about Tom Brady. Ah, oh, Chris, we've reached liquor season. I love it. Yeah. Isn't, isn't this better than just having to slam our way through beers all football season long?
2: It is. Last show I had a whiskey sour and now I'm on a Manhattan.
1: <sighs> a Manhattan? Uh, sweet, perfect, or dry? I used uh, sweet vermouth. <sighs> of course you did. You candy ass. Son of a bitch. How ironic is that show's open in terms of what tonight's show is going to be? The AFC East Roundup, the Patriots offseason preview. Now, when you think about the New England Patriots and what they were in 2020, I've got a couple standings of note. They were 27th in points per game, 22nd in yards per pass attempt, yet 8th in scoring defense in points per game and 13th in takeaways. They're a weird paradox of a team and seemingly a flux in what they are as a franchise. And here to talk to us about it tonight, Mr. Mark Schofield. How are you doing, sir?
2: Um, I was better until you gave that little intro <laughs> and reminded me of just what I'm staring at this offseason, the hellscape that is the current state of the New England Patriots. Although, no, seriously, I'm good, guys. I'm good. How are you guys? You guys you guys, okay? AFC Championship game, you guys... We're good. Okay. You nope. know what? You did
1: forget to mention that New England did rank first in rompers.
2: <laughs> first in rompers. First in rompers. PFF's exclusive are... PG stat rompers, rompers per for game.
1: game oh Cam Newton put you guys over the top last year but I think you'll recover
2: from that rating for those of you who've been is living it, my- wait I mean is, by recovery do you mean we'll go down to 32 <laughs> and if like, is how is that ranked like do is that a category you want to be one in or you want to be 32 in you I know, think you kind of like golf like the fewer the better I think you, the fewer rompers the
1: better also don't okay. look like Johnny Depp Just don't look like Johnny Depp is a quarterback. Just don't do that. True. For those of you who might be living under a rock, Mark Schofield, over at the touchdown wire working with Doug Farrar, who blocked us on Twitter for some reason. I I don't know what we did or said. I think, no, we're blocked from seeing his tweets. And I think it's one of those things where he saw the things that we were dishing out to some of the national media and he goes, you know what? I just don't want any part of that, which is fair, (laughs) which is fair criticism. His draft works abound. This season is his time of year. I mean, I know for a fact, like, you work with Matt Waldman on a lot of draft stuff. You're all over the place. You do, this is kind of your season, isn't it? Like, this is Mark Schofield's season.
2: <laughs> I mean, it, it, what's weird about draft season is each year, depending on what teams need quarterbacks, I suddenly find my way on their shows. That's how I'm here. I mean, <laughs> That's I. That's how you ended up. I am on. I, I'm on with you guys. I'm on with WGR, like because of the Josh Allen year, and so it's the same thing with Baker Mayfield. You know, was, you know, what's his the, the ridiculously bad quarterback for the Giants, whose name escapes me right now, Danny Dimes. Oh, Daniel Jones. it's why good. I do stuff in New York City because of Daniel Jones. Like, so I'd, I'd imagine the way this draft shakes out, you know, you might see me on, you know. Perhaps with Jacksonville. do they have sports media down in Jacksonville? They got it right. They got I, on Jacksonville.
1: Maybe. That. I mean I thought oh. Jacksonville was just on fire. Like, I just thought that their city half of it half of it has to be on fire. And then he also does right. the Sco Show podcast over at patspulpit.com. And that's where I kinda want to launch off of this. Now, first of all, you've heard the Danny Amendola comments about Tom Brady. I have. Your thoughts? Just just give them to me as someone with some skin in the game.
2: Yeah, I mean, th- this whole Super Bowl run by Brady and the Buccaneers has really just sort of allowed people to perhaps stake their claim on the Belichick versus Brady debate. You know, I've, I've, I've read a lot of people. I've seen a lot of people in the past couple of days, you know, since Tampa Bay won that game, say, I haven't seen Gronk this happy. He looks like a load's been lifted. He's joyous. It's allowed people to sort of come out and say, look, it's Brady. Like, he's the Patriots. Like, clearly, that team is nothing without him. And it's allowed people, like, say, Amendola, who's perhaps frustrated by like you said, sort of taking money out of his pocket and giving it back to Bill so Bill could get another ring um, you know, to get their digs in. Um, you know, and he sort of tried to walk it back, try to walk it back a little bit, say, you know, no, no, I'm definitely not anti Bill. Um, but it certainly came out that way. <laughs> and, you know, I, I think that's kind of what we're seeing. And as we start to get into the conversation about what are the Patriots going to do this off season. It's hard not to imagine that a lot of what they do might be influenced in some way by Belichick's own thoughts and feelings and thinking on this Brady versus Belichick question. Oh, that's and I have to ask
1: you as a fan, just somebody who loves the Patriots enough that you would get yourself into this in the first place. Tom Brady winning a ring in a different uniform for a different city. I mean, we talked about it in the offseason like it might happen as if it was this outlier. And now it comes to fruition. What was it like for you personally watching that game?
2: You know, it was weird. I mean, I was working obviously um, during the game, so I was like furiously writing like pieces left and right. Uh, so it, was, it allowed me to sort of just keep that analyst hat on more than anything else. Um, But in the days leading up to the game, obviously friends and family, people asking me, you know, who do you want to win? You know, and I said, look, you know, it'd be nice for Brady to get seven. I I thought it would be nice for him to get a seventh ring. Um, When you have somebody that's – when you have a chance to really see greatness and somebody add to a legacy, it's kind of easy to root for. I thought it was interesting – at least in some corners of you know the football fandom world, to see people maybe perhaps rooting for Brady for a little bit, um, you know. Obviously now that he's out of New England, it maybe made it easier. The fact that he was a bit of an underdog maybe made it easier. Um, so, I, I, in the moment, I was just kind of caught up in working him up. But I, I think before the game and certainly after the game, you know, you're happy for the guy. You're happy for the guy because you know he thought he still had it. And remember, you know, I'm sure when we talked about this back last spring, you know, part of the reason he probably wanted to go to Tampa is to prove that he could win in an offense that wasn't New England system in an offense where people didn't think it could work. And he look, he had a goal. And he proved they could do it. And he did it like I think you have to appreciate the accomplishment.
1: We talked about it in our Power Report podcast. I thought I'd be angrier. I thought I would be angrier watching him hoist another Lombardi, and all will level with you: it. it didn't move the needle, but only because my pettiness had moved on, and uh, it, it it was focused purely on the Kansas City Chiefs. And so, in that way, I wasn't I wasn't I wasn't inflamed by it. I actually was kind of indifferent to it. Now, here's what I will say: inflamed portions of the fan base and local media in the New England area. I've been I've been listening to Weei at work,
0: <laughs> you
1: know. And, and here's the best part: you still don't know what my uh, SB Nation handle is. I've been all over Pat's ball <laughs>
2: Since I'm, this I'm sure. Happened. I'm sure. I this, I've I haven't been all over Forbes in a while. And, and right, here's, and here's what happens. I have to do that again. And here's what happens.
1: I I only comment to throw a little bit of. I'm never trying to start the fire. I just throw a little gas on it now and again. When I see one that's worth like, hey, this is something that I can throw a little kindling on. Sure, why not? (laughs) Let's make this a bonfire. And I'll throw in a point and I'll just watch the fracas. (sighs) But then I listen to the radio callers talking about a lot of them who are angry in the aftermath of this. How much of that stems from the way the Patriots season paled in comparison to the way things went down in Tampa?
2: You know, I think there's a, a – obviously, sort of to the, use the analogy you just made with the Pats public Forums, um, it's certainly some kindling, um, certainly a little bit of gasoline on that fire. The fact that they had the season they had, you know, I think if the Patriots made the playoffs but could bounce, say, the divisional round, you'd still have that level of hire. You'd still have that level of anchor. You know, there's a growing number, you know, it's still less than half, it's still a small minority. But there is a growing number of Patriots fans who I think you could classify as infuriated with Belichick and beyond frustrated with the handling of the team. And they're now going back and looking at things we've talked about, like how they've handled outside receiver and some other positions over the the run of the Brady-Belichick era. And it just gives you one more bit of evidence to throw on that anti-Belichick GM pile. I I think most, if not every single – Patriots fan I know um, respects Belichick the head coach, but it's the Belichick the general manager side of the debate um, that is really tilted in the you know the anti Belichick GM favor over the past twelve months.
1: Well, I want to and I want to start our conversation with that, but before we do, I had an analogy about what this must be like for Patriots fans, and for me, it was it's like when you're in your twenties and you break up with a chick. And then she immediately starts dating a dude with a convertible, a boat, and a six-pack. And And straight teeth. And you go, oh, wait a minute. Oh, come on. This, how, right out of the gate? Really? You didn't even have to go through, like, some slump busters. You just literally went out and took down a 12-point buck. Damn it. (laughs) I thought that was as good as it was going to get. But Sal Capaccio of WGR 550, I mean, chef's kiss. Because I'm petty. And he gets petty when he has to, but he was going back and forth with a Patriots fan who was being a little over-exuberant about the Super Bowl Tom Brady won towards Bill's fans, and he caught it. The Patriots fan says to him, are we not allowed to celebrate someone who spent 20 years and went to nine Super Bowls with our favorite team? This gatekeeping is getting ridiculous. And to that, Sale said... Yeah, be happy for him, but just because you were married for 20 years doesn't mean you get to claim your ex-spouse's baby with his new lover as yours. The DNA test is public knowledge, and the kid doesn't even look like you.
2: I saw that from Sal. I saw that from Sal, and it was one of those haymakers that you see on Twitter that yeah. you don't see coming. Hey, Sal's see not coming. the guy to uh, take him, but when he does, Jesus no, Christ, look out. But That connected. That connected. <laughs>
1: So, I, I mean, when, when we talk about this and what's going on with the New England Patriots heading into this, it's clear that there's a certain portion of the fan base that's going to believe that this offseason is shaded by what happened in this game. And that may be partially true. Now, the first part of this series for us is identifying offseason realities for each team. Now, this is typically the time of the year where fans and analysts start framing your expectations for the upcoming offseason. I mean, that's a good place to start. Teams like the Jets, who have an understanding that a full-scale rebuild is already taking place out of necessity. There's teams like Buffalo, who say, hey, we have a competitive roster. We just need to make a few tweaks. We need to invest some money in some different positions, shift some spending around. It's kind of like what we talked about with Paul Wineski over on this week's Rock Pile Report. But when you look at the Patriots... They're the weird outlier in this group because I feel like they're stuck in the middle somewhere. I don't know where they're going to go, and I'm, I'm hoping you can shed some light on this in terms of establishing a baseline expectation level and discussing the storylines that will shape where they are this offseason. Now, when you look at them, salary cap and draft picks, they have $60 in cap space, second seven total picks. So that's pretty good. You guys have a... A wealth of draft capital, you have some cap space. How comfortable are you with the current cache to address your roster woes, or at least take a swing at them?
2: You know, it's a fascinating question, Drew. I'm not that comfortable with what they've got. I love their cap space, but they have a ton of free agency decisions to make, and depending on how they make them, that cap space could deteriorate rather quickly. I'm even less comfortable with the draft capital they have. Um, Now, they'll get some comp picks, sure. But, you know, right now, they've got a pick at 15 and a pick at 46. And, you know, that probably puts them outside the range of the top four quarterbacks. And the idea of if they have to address quarterback to do it at 15, because right now it doesn't look like they have the ammo to move up. And there might be a lot of quarterback needy teams and there are a lot of quarterback needy teams ahead of them. That makes it even tougher. Um, do you take a Mac Jones at 15? Do you take a Kyle Trask at 15? You can certainly do that. My liver might destroy <laughs> me that night if they do. But if you're forced into that situation, you're forced into that situation and then – what do you put around them with that? And so you're right in the sense that they could go in a number of different directions. They seem to be sort of stuck in the middle. I don't know if the fan base has the stomach particularly right now for a full on rebuild. They might have to eat that and endure it. If decisions are made over the next month or two that push them in that direction. Um, It's, it's a strange time. Like you said, look, the Bills can nibble around the secondary free agent market. Maybe if a running back like Travis Etienne or Najee Harris falls to them at the end of the first round, I think that would be a fantastic you know, way to use that first round pick. The Bills, I mean the Bills, the, the Dolphins, if they get a quarterback, they could be a playoff team next year. Yes. The Patriots are just, you know, what do you do? We don't know yet. I don't know how they've fixed it. You're the there. only one in the um, divisions
1: you're the only one in the division who doesn't have a quarterback right now. Like that's that has to be an unsettling thing for you guys. Now it's here's the unsettled. Oh well here's what I see, though. one of the bigger storylines that I think needs a little bit of context put to it for our listeners. Shrinking front office. You know, people look at it and say, Hey, the Patriots used to win the draft all the time, or they used to find guys, or they used to do this and that, blah. blah, blah. And then that seems to have gone away over the last half a decade, maybe even a decade. It's an annual thing for your front office to get smaller, and they've lost quality candidates. I mean, Quinn, Casario, Pioli, 2021's no different. You've lost people. Dave Green of NBC Sports referred to it as a brain drain, in quotes. And Sports Illustrated's Albert Breer kind of expanded on that by painting the picture of an alienation of your scouting department personnel within the New England front office. And he illustrated that five members of the scouting department have taken director positions with other franchises in the last three years. This, well, all of the last few drafts have yielded pretty dubious results. So even though the Patriots have some cap money to spend, and they have some draft picks to deal and kind of, kind of figure out how they're going to manufacture a roster. Does that dynamic concern you
2: in terms of how they're going to approach 2021? I mean, it does, but I, I think there are opportunities to promote some people within the organization to take on bigger roles that are ready to take on those roles. I mean, Elliot Wolf, who is currently a scouting consultant with the Patriots, I mean, this is somebody that... You know, has experience as an assistant general manager, director of player personnel, director yeah. of football operations, director of pro personnel. Like he's got a, a GM resume. He's just been basically a consultant for the New England Patriots last season. Um, you look at bringing guys like Patricia back to help out on the defensive <laughs> side of the ball. You how did that did how, Patricia go? Do you think – how did that go? <laughs> did, did he just come crawling back? I mean, there are two men in the football universe that have what we can call the rehabilitation program. There's Nick Saban and there's Bill Belichick. Um, And and both of those men, I I know for a fact that, you know, Belichick, and I think we've talked about this, will bring players in for a workout as a favor with no intention of of signing them. But it's a favor because if he knows if he brings a guy in and works him out, other teams are going to – bring that player in and perhaps work him out and then perhaps sign him. You know, both of them will bring back coaches, you know, Belichick did it with Brett Lima. Um, Saban's done it with, you know, some others, Bill O'Brien recently, um, bring those guys in, give them through the spin cycle and put them in an opportunity where they can go out and get a new job. And I'm sure that's the, the plan with Matt Patricia. He'll be there hopefully for a year from Patricia's perspective and get himself a gig somewhere else a year or two down the road. Well, here's what I'll um, say is that yeah, I, I,
1: as Bills fans, we're pretty familiar with what happens when underqualified people are making draft and free agent decisions. My liver bears the scars of all of them, right? So do you trust the current brain trust in New England to make this work?
2: I don't see how you can. I mean, it's a trust but verify situation. Um you know, the, the, with Nick Stereo out, like uh, there are going to be different people at different positions um, making decisions. Obviously, Bill Belichick is still there, but as we talked about at the start of this discussion, the level of trust the Patriots fans have in Belichick, the general manager and personnel evaluator, is deteriorating by the day. Um, there are still positions that look slot receiver; they're going to get it right. Um, If they draft a slot receiver on day three, I'm fairly certain that player is going to lead the New England Patriots in reception sometime in the next five years. You know, whether it's a guy like K. Johnson, the kid from South Dakota State or somebody else, you know, they evaluate that position well. Um, They evaluate linebacker, I think, fairly well. Kyle Van Noy, for example, Jamie Collins, for example, they get that position right. But those are positions that they don't really need right now. They need quarterbacks. And yes, they drafted Tom Brady in the sixth round of the, of the 2000 draft after passing on him a bunch of times. You know, and you look at the other quarterbacks they've drafted, you know, they didn't have to play because of Brady, but... <laughs> Ryan Mallett was supposed I, to uh, set the world Ryan on fire. Now, he's the reason
1: that I don't... He's my marker. When I, Whenever anyone says, hey, is Drew ever right about the draft? I thought Ryan Mallett was going to redefine NFL quarterbacking. That tells you what I know.
2: Yeah, except it was Rohan Davey. (laughs) Ah, Rohan Davey! (laughs) I mean, and look, outside receiver is obviously a position that they have to get right, and they've struggled to do so. And so, you know, do I trust this organization to get things right? No. Um, It's a trust but verified situation. It's a cautious optimism. I, you know, I... I'm going into this wide eyed. I mean, I don't, I don't have that level of trust that is there in years past because we have weaves of evidence that they've gotten things wrong and that has led them to this moment. Brady papered over all manners of sin for 20 years and he's not there anymore. And now you got to figure it out. And the other aspect to this, particularly when it comes to the quarterback position, is there a proven track record from Josh McDaniels of quarterback development? There really isn't. You know, it's similar to the Adam Gase as a quarterback guru. Right, because he coached Peyton Manning. I mean, that's a first ballot hall <laughs> of fame. Yeah, you, you, I you mean, don't get to claim, claim that. The of us could have been Peyton Manning's offensive coordinator. Well, we talked about Gunner,
1: that with Adam Gase. You know, we were like, wait a minute. Adam yeah. Gase got a head coaching job because because Peyton Manning made a phone call and he had a cup of tea with
2: him. Yeah. What are we talking about? So so the idea that the New England Patriots could draft, say, Matt Jones or Trey Lance or, or any quarterback in this draft and Josh McDaniels is going to develop him to be Josh Allen three years from now, it would be fantastic if it happened. It could happen. But I, I can't sit here right now and say that it will because there's no evidence to point to that. Chris, how
1: crazy is it that he just invoked the name Josh Allen as if that's some kind of measuring stick? It's amazing. Who the fuck did we ever be here? I want to throw a drink across the room and take my shirt off. Good Lord. Is there any concern from you that there's uncertainty surrounding Because you guys have cap space to spend and everyone goes, well, they, they can just pull in free agents. I don't know, because you guys tried that last year. Adrian Phillips did a great job for you, but it didn't change the team's fortunes. You guys signed some free agent names, and it didn't really matter. There's uncertainty surrounding the Patriots for the first time in two decades. Do you think that you guys might be finding yourselves in that kind of crunch where, I don't know, Patriots, Patriots players, Chris, correct me if I'm wrong, how sick of watching talented people go to the Patriots did we get over the last 20 years? Happened at, a lot. At very reasonable salaries. Almost pay cuts. They would take less than market value to go play for a team that they thought could get them to a Super Bowl. How hard do you think it's going to be now... For the Patriots to sign free agents I mean is the cachet that the Patriots Moniker still holds the same Or do you think that that's taken a massive hit
2: It's taken a massive hit And an even bigger one over the past 48 hours I mean what's one of the biggest Stories right now coming out of Tampa Bay Is that Mike Evans is willing to take a pay cut So they can bring the band back Together so they can re-sign Chris Godwin So they can re-sign Shaq Barrett And Devontae David the draw, especially now, is Tom Brady. Before, you might have thought the draw was Bill Belichick, right? That's If you're a free thought. agent, you're, the, you're in the back nine of your career, you want to win a, win a ring, you haven't done it yet, I'll go play for Bill. He'll get me to that. He'll get me to the promised land. He'll get me that ring. If you're a veteran, if you're Alan Robinson right now, and you have the opportunity to sign a top dollar contract with the New England Patriots – or take a, you know, smaller salary to go catch passes from Tom Brady. Where are you going? You're going to go play with Tom Brady. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to... If you're Alan Robinson, and I know this is a bit specific of an example at this point, but you've caught passes from Mitchell Trubisky, Blake Portals, and Christian Hackenberg dated back to college. You're going to go catch passes from quarterback X to be named later in New England or catch it from Tom Brady? As great as Bill Belichick is... Who showed you more recently that they can win a ring? It's Tom Brady. And so the free agents are going to demand more money, I think, to play in New England now than they would in years past. And that's going to drive up the cost. If they want to sign an Allen Robinson, if they want to sign a Levante David or Shaquille Barrett away from those teams, guys that are free agents, guys in positions of need, a Kenny Galladay in a position of need. They're gonna to have to pay premiums for that, which is something they're not comfortable doing, and if they start doing that, that tells me they're starting to panic. That gets you to the situation where they waste all their draft or their, their cap space on a handful of players, and now they don't have the draft capital to build around those guys, and we could be bit seven and nine again. Chris, did you hear that? Wait, can can you hear it? If you Oh no,
1: that's me playing the world's smallest violin. <laughs> It's the saddest song ever written on the smallest violin. Ah, Schofield. I love the fact that you're a good sport and that you do this with us annually, even though it just turns into this.
2: It's just. It's just, I just look, look, I'm not going to, you know, duck you guys and say, no, I'm not going to come <laughs> out and take the punches. Like, this is the, this is the gig. But what I know? love is that you, you dish them out and
1: you can take them. Like, hey, we pulled the uh, hey when Brady, we popped champagne when Brady left, and you still come back. Literally, one of the literally one of the coldest things that
2: has like, ever happened. <laughs> we are the pettiest Bills podcast. We are, and and, and I'm I'm included in my days as a failed attorney in that <laughs> when I had some horrific things happen to me. Chris on top, still one of the coldest things.
1: Chris, we've reached the not on top
0: of petty. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: So now, your needs and wants. Obviously, every team in the AFC East has things that they want. I mean, me, I want to sleep. That's all I want. I have a sick kid, or at least a kid at home who had a fever and kept me awake for four – what? I can't even count anymore. I've slept, Me and my wife have slept less than three hours a night for the last four days. I'm, <laughs> I'm teetering on the edge of mania. We all want something. And whether actually obtaining those things is reasonable or not is that's up for debate. Kind of the way after a 12 pack I go onto the internet and I shop for bear traps. Or after a few glasses of whiskey while I'm watching Tombstone, my wife will get ads popping up on her Facebook for old fashioned six shooter holders. Because I feel like I need to buy not only the pistols, but a, but I need a, I need, I need gun holsters to just wear around the house. Which is stupid. We all know that. So in that way, <laughs> There's a few things everybody thinks they must have. And for the Patriots, I'm sure you have a couple for them. I want to know, what are a few of the things you think the Patriots have to address, whether it's draft or free agency this upcoming golf season?
2: Well, first of all, there is never anything wrong about watching Tombstone. I just want to go on the record there. Well, um, I'm maybe a living, buy the six-shooter. I'm, I'm living,
1: breathing Doc Holliday. I have not yet begun to defile myself. And at the same time, I may seem too drunk to operate, but you'd be shocked.
2: <laughs> You'll just cut the guy in the middle. I get it. Exactly. I, you know, um what do the Patriots have to come away from this offseason with? They have to come away with it with a plan at the quarterback position. And it may and and what that plan is may determine their next three years in terms of how feasible will it th- that they're a playoff team in 2021. Because if it's a rookie, then look, we're looking at a three-year plan. Mm-hmm. If it's, you know, we're going to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo or, you know, some other Carson Wentz, whatever, throw a name out there, then yeah, they're going to try to be competitive now. Um, Here's so that question. will be our first sort of window into
1: where they're at. That right there, I have to ask. What would you prefer? Because I guess that that was one of my questions is how does their plan to answer this hole at quarterback? (sighs) Short-term rebound or long-term rebuild, which of those two would you prefer based on the current roster
2: construction and what you think this team is capable of? I mean, honestly, at this point, I'm more comfortable with the idea. Well, it's tough. I think the way this roster is constructed right now, the three-year path rebuild through a rookie makes more sense Um, because you've got needs and issues and holes on both sides of the ball. This was a defense that took a huge step back this season. And if they do trade Stephon Gilmore, as is one of the constant rumors, it's going to be an awful defense. It's going to be an awful defense. And so no quarterback – that is currently in the National Football League. Save Deshaun Watson. That is going to be available. Will be able to paper that over. Like no, and, and so I'd I'd almost rather them do that. The caveat being what I just said twenty minutes ago about Josh McDaniels and his track record or lack thereof of quarterback development. We both? And so.
1: Well, I was going to ask, it's, can it's, we? It's. No, I was going to ask, can we both agree, no matter who gets under center for you, they will throw more than eight touchdown passes?
2: I'd like to think that, but <laughs> sitting here right now, I can't guarantee it. Oh, I mean, no.
1: Come on, Schofield.
2: Room for your team. <laughs> oh, I mean, is Carson Wentz throwing eight touchdown passes with his current receiver room? No. I don't know. I don't know if I can make that bet. Is Jimmy Garoppolo? Is Kobe Brissett? Like, is Tua Tungavailo doing that? I if they if they somehow swing a trade for Deshaun Watson, yeah, you'll get more than eight touchdown passes from him, provided he stays healthy behind what could be an offensive line without guys like Joe Tootie if they lose him to free agency or a patchwork offensive line anyway because guys get hurt. So, yeah, I can't make that bet.
1: Oh, man. It's brutal. Now, here's one of the questions. You just brought it up. The playmakers seem to be one of the cardinal problems of your team last year. The wide receivers were so bad that by the end of the season, they were showing highlights of all of the failed Patriots draft picks at wide receiver, which I'm sure hurt a little bit on some level as a Patriots fan.
2: It's just a draft analyst. Not a little bit on some level. Like, you felt like I get kicked in the dick. You're you're watching this and you're
1: going, wait a minute. Every one of these picks has sucked forever. We've never been able to draft this position. And you're not alone. The Buffalo Bills are up there. Hey, Zay Jones, he's great. (laughs) Wonderful. He's worth a second-round pick. Our GM learned, traded away a first-round draft pick to get Stephon Diggs, and it was the smartest thing he ever did. And, in fact... I think that this less Sneed model, and this is something maybe you can expand on more because you're smarter than us, someday, just food for thought, this less Sneed model that we all used to make fun of, where he used to just trade away first-round draft picks, he goes, well, they're worth more because I'm getting an established player who's in his prime, who's talented, versus getting a kid who I don't know if he can play. I don't know if he can play. But he gave up a second-round pick for Sammy Watkins because he knew that kid could play.
2: There may be some merit to that. A couple of things. Um, Prior to the season, Doug Ferraro and I did predictions, and I got pretty much everything wrong. (laughs) But we also had a category of – like I picked Houston to win the AFC South. Like I certainly whiffed on that one. But we had a category there like what's the next great football debate, right? Whether it's pass rush versus coverage or, you know, what do running backs matter? And I said this was last summer before the season started. The next great football debate is does the draft actually matter? And this less need model I think is getting us close to that or a lot closer to that debate because we all – Especially guys like me that like that cover the draft when the season is over. Um, we, we pump up the draft. We pump up these guys that end up like day three picks, like me and Brett Ripon, who doesn't even get drafted. And we say that you know that, that there's hidden diamonds. They're all unknown commodities. Even Trevor Lawrence, yep. who looks to be this generational prospect, that's the phrase people are using with him. It's still an unknown commodity. It's the Family Guy mystery box thing, right? Yes. It's that. It's that's what it is. He goes, "I'm going to pass you know, up I'm, on the
1: speedboat." He goes, "I could give away two first round draft yeah. picks when he's trading for Jalen Ramsey." Both, both. They go, "We need a right. quarter, a cornerback." I could give away two first round draft picks, but I know that I'm getting a speedboat, <laughs> or I could go into the first round of the draft and maybe it's a speedboat. <laughs> it's
2: exactly <yeah. It's> exactly. <laughs> It's like I was having this discussion with Kyle Krabs earlier tonight um, because he's dealing with that with the Dolphins right now, right? So many Dolphins fans are like, how can we give up on Tua? And he's like, you give up on Tua if you get Deshaun Watson. And many fans are like, yeah, but Tua can be great. It's like, yes, he can be great. Watson is great. So why do we want to like hope that Tua becomes what Watson is when we can get the guy? It's, It's what the Rams are doing right now. You know, and I I do think that we might see more teams take that approach, particularly in this draft cycle, when you might be thinking about, am I going to draft Jamar Chase, who didn't play this year? Am I going to draft Trey Lance, who didn't play this year or played one game? Like Rashawn Slater, a lot of people say he might even be offensive tackle one. He also, like, you might see some general managers say, look, I've got this first round pick. I've got a bunch of unknowns or I could get player X who's done it in the league for three years. Sure. Take my first round pick. Trust your scouting department. I'm going to trust the evaluation our pro department did on this player and get the proven commodity. We might see a lot more of that this year than we're expecting. No, and that
1: could just destroy all of this pre-draft nonsense that's going on right now. But please read my mock drafts anyway, please. That. <laughs> hey, listen. I will. I'll. As I'm, I would encourage our listeners to follow Mark's draft work because Mark, you tend to be on the smarter side of things. You do. Mm. Nah, you sell yourself short. Like you say, "Oh, I was a failing attorney." Nah, you weren't that bad. I, I was a failing attorney. Now you you were talking about today. If the Wapo, look Wapo, put put out my obit <laughs> because of the way they treated uh, Marty Schottenheimer, treated Marty,
2: Marty, his playoff teams. Who, Marty Schottenheimer, whose playoff teams wilted, like that's what the original obituary headline was. So yours was ah, well, a guy who failed at
1: everything, including practicing law. There had to be a few cases you won.
2: I got a I look. I got a, I got my dubs along the way, but look like like anybody who was a, you guys were athletes, You guys were competitive. You you remember the Ws? Maybe you probably oh, yes, remember the sure. losses. But boy. I re- b-
1: but there was a lot more losses. Than wins. Yeah, but marks marks but still, du- marks dubs as an attorney were the equivalent of Pittsburgh over Cleveland and or Cincinnati.
0: <laughs> they were just yeah.
1: slam dunks. Oh, why are you going to dunk at our guests like that? Listen, Mark, don't take that shit from Chris. When you meet him, punch him in the stomach. It's it's what all of no, my I'm friends gonna, do.
2: I'm not going to punch somebody who makes his own custom ice. <sighs> this, is, this is Sven we're talking to. He's got I'm craft ice.
1: You, He's got craft ice and stupid hair. Finish this sentence for me. The Patriots can win the AFC East in 2021. If this offseason, they blank.
2: They trade for Deshaun Watson. Like, that's the only scenario where I see that happen. Like, how, how likely because, is that?
1: Because, honestly, it's all up in the air. He doesn't want to go play for Houston again. That's scorched earth. And then we could do a podcast on its own about how your f- former preacher – Fucked up that franchise. Like he just said, he he went there and set that shit on fire.
2: I mean, I think, guys, it's more likely I'm New England starting quarterback from one than Watson. (laughs) Because I'm telling you, if you you ever what
1: if you ever dredge up that film, I would love to watch you and watch it. it.
2: Look at what the Jets can put together. In terms of a package, look at what the Dolphins can put together in terms of a package. Like when you're talking about two first rounders in this draft plus a Sam Darnold or a Tua, like that's that's better than anything New England can put on the table. And so unless Sarah is going to be like, I'm going to do my old buddy Bill a solid here and trade Deshaun Watson for a second rounder when Matthew Stafford just got what he got. Yeah, I don't see it happening. So he- I don't, I, I, sitting here right now. February 2021, I don't see the New England Patriots winning this division next year. Like, short of something like that. Here's a question. How much did it hurt to hear that there was a trade on the table
1: for Stafford to New England and he was like, nah, I'm not going there?
2: That one stunned. Um, <laughs> because I've told people for a while, I've told Waldman and others on shows, like, and this was, what Brady was still in New England, the question was, if you could take... Any quarterback around the league – it was pre-Mahomes, but if you could take anybody around the league to be the successor to Brady, who would it be? I said Stafford. I I love Stafford. I think he's a fantastic quarterback. I I think that's a huge win of a trade for the Rams. And so to hear him just basically say like, I'll I'll send me to any team except for New England? Yeah. And what does that tell you either about A, Matt Patricia or B, Bill (laughs) Belichick? Right? Uh, yep,
1: Mark. We love you joining us for these sorts of exercises. I hate that. I hate that we spend a lot of it disparaging like your team or making fun of you because you do so much work. You do so much work. At, like your your stuff over inside the pylon. You were talking about how you ended up here. It was actually the stuff that you did over inside the pylon that led us to reaching out to you to talk about Josh Allen and the quarterback and everything else and and we kind of got into this weird relationship where you didn't hate us so much you, th- you tolerate us you tolerate us <laughs> I love us. you guys
2: seriously we, we. no I love you guys we spent more time talking before and after the show than anything else so, that's it you know? exactly I love you too
1: plus I made something I mean when we were not on a network you did have an intro that had Toto this is true When I get
2: the the custom Toto intro, uh, it's right here, guys. It was the best. It's right here. So
1: I'll say this. We appreciate you taking time to devote to our podcast. Where can our listeners devote their time to your work?
2: Well, guys, um, as always, it's been a blast. Uh, You can find me on the Bird app at Mark Schofield uh, where I – do what I do here, which is talk about football and find <laughs> ways to make fun of myself. Um, you know, uh, Touchdown Wire over at USA Today with Doug Farrar, um, Pat's Pulpit, Sco Show, me and Kissed. We will do one more QB Factory now that Kissed is an executive. Yeah, he's over an, over an executive. Media.
1: Which, can we talk about yes. that for two seconds before we let this go? Yeah. Kissed being an executive anything scares me.
2: Like, it's. It's Listen, incredible.
1: I have like, a manager I, I, in my title at work, and I'll say this there's a certain power that comes with that. The fact that you just gave Kissed a little bit of power, this is a guy who used to wrestle. He used to wrestle. <laughs> he used to wrestle. For those of you who don't know this, Michael Kiss of Bleeding Green Nation used to be a wrestler. I put that in hey. quotes. Not like, you know. No, he legitimately cheer. did a do, off the top rope into the crowd. Swanton no, bomb onto
2: chairs and people. The
1: his
2: man. His signature move was to run from one corner to the other, hurl himself out of the ring and through a table. That's and he my point. broke his leg doing that. And he came back right away once he got cleared to do it and immediately got right back on that horse. There are videos of him on Twitter taking chair, chair shots to the dome. like, And now he is an executive at Vox Media.
1: I'll tell you what. He's we built love- for whatever the internet can dish out.
2: I love,
1: I love kissed. I love the fact that you do work. I love, I just love that whole thing. But Schofield, thank you so much for showing up here. Guys, go check him out. We're going to post links to everything he has going on in the, in the description of tonight's show. We got to get out of here. Chris. It's a hell of a Manhattan. Yeah. It was sweet Manhattan. You candy ass son of a bitch. I'm Drew Gear, that's Chris Kruger, that's Mark Schofield, and this has been the AFC's Roundup.
0: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.